I'm going to do a reading from the Old Testament first. Uh, normally, we would have had uh, Jax read this during the Light of the Advent Candle, but I make a reference to it in the sermon, so I wanted to read it real quick. The Old Testament for today is Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the dry land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice like blossoms like the crocus. They will burst into bloom and rejoice with joy and singing. They will see the glory of Lebanon, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the Lord's glory, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and support the unsteady knees. Say to those who are panicking, be strong, don't fear. Here's your God coming with vengeance and divine retribution. God will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be cleared. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless will sing. Waters will spring up in the desert, and streams in the wilderness. The burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground fountains of water. The jackal's habitat, a pasture. Grass will become reeds and rushes. A highway will be there. It will be called the holy way. The unclean won't travel on it, but it will be for those walking on that way. Even the fools won't get lost on it. No lions will be there, and no predator will go up to it. None of these will be there. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The Lord's ransomed ones will return and, he, and enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy upon their heads. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. Grief and groaning will flee away. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And here we are into week three, where we talk about joy. Now, joy has always been a hard concept for us as humans to grasp at for a while. We talk a lot about joy. We sing songs about joy. We name our children joy. We read books and poems and watch movies about it. As humans, our artists have been grasping at joy for a while, and rightfully so. There's a pull that is in our human soul. It is something that we long for. We were created for joy. I believe it's part of our being. And it is part of our being because I believe it's part of the Imago Dei. If we are created in the image of God, and part of God is joy, then we were created to desire joy. And when God breathed that breath of life into us, I do believe that some part of that breath was joy because the Lord delighted over us. And not only the desire uh, for joy, but also, just as with God, we also were called to create joy. Before I get into deep talking about joy and our desire for it and being a part of that creation, we must first read today's scripture. Let us start with the gospel lesson, Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. Once again, this is the common English version. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. When did you, what did you go out in the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out and see, someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear the soft robes are in the royal palaces. What did you go out and see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, 
the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we talk about last week, and uh, what we talked about last week was faith and this kind of active and passive faith that John the Baptist was in the desert and he was calling out the Pharisees and Sadducees of the time about the differences between their faith being so individualized and the faith of the other people. When our faith is put into a place where it only benefits yourself, an individualistic faith, it becomes passive. Versus actually having an active faith, which tends to be more inclusive and invite other people into your faith. We continue in that conversation this evening with the journey of John the Baptist and how it continues. So to set the scene, John the Baptist is in jail because, well, calling people a brood of vipers is probably not the best way to make friends. And it's not looking good for him. So he knows that there's some important life circumstance coming up. So he asks his disciples to go and ask Jesus if he is the real deal. The whole like calling of John the Baptist. He needs to now know whether it is the real thing. And this is really important because John has to know that what he is suffering for is, well, worth it. He wanted to kind of know if his work was done if he had prepared the way for the one that was coming. Because you got to remember, John the Baptist is a Jew. And so he was looking for the Messiah, and he wanted to know if Jesus was that person. He wanted to know if his job as prophet, just as a prophet that he was called to emulate, would hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. And so his disciples go to Jesus, and Jesus answers, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are clean, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Now, as you remember what we just read in the Old Testament, these are similar, are the words of Isaiah. The same (coughs) words that John was speaking in the desert. These are the words that Isaiah spoke to the Israelites, to keep them encouraged in the midst of exile. These are words of the promised land that was painted to them by their prophet to keep them encouraged in the dark valleys that they were walking through. You got to remember, last week I talked about this, the Gospel of Matthew's primary audience was that of the Jewish community. And the words of Jesus would weigh very heavy at this moment. They meant something. Jesus is speaking to a deep truth that would resonate with them. They knew the words of Isaiah. They knew what those words represented. This was the words that their elders had whispered to them, to tell them, look for these things so you know when the Messiah is there. And to me, what Jesus says, these are words of joy. And probably not in the way we traditionally think about it. I mean, I think what Jesus is pointing to at the end would be generally thought as joy. It's good things happening the healing of the blind and the lame, economic restitution and blessing. I think all these are good things, but I think what actually makes this joy is that it's in the process of happening. It hasn't finished yet. I think joy is a yearning. Joy is a yearning for the goodness of God and the desires of God. And you know something something about yearning? Farmers. We learned about yearning in the epistle lesson. Let us hear from the epistle lesson, James 5, 7 through 10. Once again, CEB version. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious cop from the earth, being patient 
with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patient, beloved, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. This is a word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See, a farmer yearns because they have to plant and wait. They do not know what their seeds are doing under the ground. There is this simple magic that they have to believe in as they plant a seed into the ground and just wait for rain. That simple magic of life, of growth, of time. This is very similar to what James is pointing to for us and saying, in this season of Advent, be patient, yearn. Look for the coming of the Lord, but also be patient and yearn with joy. We yearn in joy that there is actually deep magic in this world. Magic that is pointing the blind to being able to receive sight, the deaf being able to hear the lame walk, the poor hearing the good news. A joy that is not just like happiness. Happiness is found just for a moment. It is the crescendo where joy, joy is more like the rhythm. Happiness, just but for a moment, but joy and the expectation and yearning. And joy can still be found in sadness in the trying times. Because even in those moments, we still long for the desire and yearn for the desire of God. I think one of the misconceptions that Christians really need to put to rest is that we should always be happy. I find this farce serves more harm than good for our faith. It creates this undue anxiety where we begin to question our faith just simply because we aren't happy. We begin to question whether God loves us or not because we aren't happy. We begin to question whether we're doing the right things because we do not feel right. We begin to feel like maybe we are failures in our faith because we don't always have that Joel Olstein smile. And I do not believe this to be true about faith. I believe that we as Christians should be rooted in joy even if we are not happy. We should be rooted in the yearning for the kingdom of God. We should be rooted in the desires, that God, the, the things that God desires. And well, we should be bending our intent, our yearning and expectation towards what God's intent is. Because I do believe that that intent of God is buried deep inside of us. It's part of that breath that God gave us. It is part of who we are, our deep being. I believe that since the beginning, God placed a joy inside of us and a joy that desires to see the healing of this world, the economic restitution of this world, the blessing of the people in this world. Because just as we are made in the image of God, we are also made in the joy of God as well. And just as God delights over us, we should then too delight over each other. Because part of God's joy is our joy in receiving that Imago Dei, that image of God. Just as Christ sought to heal the other, we too should seek to heal the other because God's joy is planted inside of us. Just as Christ sought economic justice for the other, we too should seek economic justice for the other because that is God's joy planted inside of us. Just as Christ sought we should seek the other because that is God's joy planted inside of us. Now, I would be remiss 
if we talked about joy and I did not bring up Marie Kondo. And now before Carl loses herself, I want to explain why I believe Marie Kondo has something to say about Advent and our seeking of joy. Now, for those of you who do not know who Marie Kondo is, she was a trendsetter in 2018 for talking people how to tidy up their lives and their houses. She had a very simple method, choose things that spark joy on you, spark joy in you. And if the object does not spark joy, you thank it for what it meant to you and then you let it go. In this time of Advent, I would expand on this idea for the joy that we have been already talking about. What sparks God inside of us? What sparks God's desire? What sparks God's intent for our lives? This is what Advent is about. Advent is about reminding us about the story of God, the story of his son who came into this world to save us, who taught us, who died for us, who is resurrected for us, and will come back for us. Those stories spark something inside of us. And what is that part of the story that sparks something inside of you? What are the seeds of the story of God that has been sown into your soul that can spark joy inside of you? A joy that can sustain you through the good times and the bad times. A joy that gives you that nostalgic feeling. Nostalgia for the joy of God and being delighted by God and delighting in God. As I said in the beginning, this joy is not just for us, but for our community as well. Just as God finds his delight in creating joys for others, we should find our delight and joy in that as well. We must not only seek joy for ourselves, but for the other as well. And not just see others, and not just the others that we know. But just as Jesus responded to the disciples of John, we too must seek the marginalized and bring them joy and find our joy in them as well. When we do these things, when we create joy for those we know and we don't know, we are living out that Imago Dei. Because I said in the beginning, God creates joy. And so part of our Imago Dei is to create joy. And in this way, we spark that Imago Dei, that image of God, that breath of God inside of us. So now, as we look forward to the remembrance of the birth of Christ, let us remember the joy that God placed inside of us so that we can give joy to others, so that joy can spark the Imago Dei deep inside of us. I ask you now to go and be blessed this week, knowing that the joy of God goes with you inside of your very being. Remember, during the times of stress and the times that are to come, in both sadness and anxiety, but also the times of laughter and happiness, that there is a joy that was a seed sown into your soul by the very breath of God that resonates deep inside of you. And I ask you this Advent season to see how you could bring that joy to life. And not just for yourself, but for those God places you around this Advent season. Go and be blessed. Amen.